Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Leave Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James, the Beebs is going to be happy. Beebs has is, is got to be pleased. The Leafs keep winning. We're talking about think? him again? And you, you, did that off, you did that off the intro a couple shows ago. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a constant presence on our show. I guess so. I don't know. I think I'm okay? way too old to understand those references, but that's okay. Well, you I like guess we're trying it. to younger fight our audience. So, so we did the last time we did the show, we were kind of like, is this for real? And I think that, what were they, 7 2 and 1? Seven, two, and one. Uh, we were kind of picking at some of the things that weren't going well, and that some of the reasons why their record wasn't for real. And then came the Vancouver Canucks, who were not very good. And the Leafs won four in a row, and now they're off to their best start since nineteen ninety three, ninety four. What do you think, Jonas? I think the question is like, how much is this the, the division? How much is this them? I think it's a combination of the two, but I do think the division is something, but like you can only play who you play and they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. And obviously they beat Montreal on Wednesday night. Montreal kind of looks like they're potentially the Leafs biggest challenger in the division. So I think like, I think there's lots of real stuff here. Like defensively, it's pretty clear. They're a lot better. I think it's pretty clear that, that Matthews and Marner have taken a step and, we're going to talk about Matthews um, and like his emerging MVP candidacy. We're going to talk a bit about their depth. I think James will get into Travis Dermott. We'll get into the defense. We'll get into points of concern because we have to kind of look ahead. And then we'll take some uh, 
listener questions as we always do. Um, but like, so let's start with the division. Like, how much do you think that is part of this? Like you mentioned Vancouver. What what percentage do you think is this just your competition is? So I, I have actually been doing some research on this. Dom and I were talking about it last night. Dom says that statistically speaking, it's not that big of an impact. That their strength of schedule might be, you know, a little bit weaker than than an average team, but it's not it's not that much weaker. You know, like statistically speaking, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, you know, the thing is like in a normal year, Jonas, you would play these teams, you know, in a normal year, you would get games against Detroit and San Jose and LA and Anaheim and, you know, New Jersey and Buffalo and, you know, in a normal, in a normal yes, season. But, but you'd also get games against Tampa and Boston and Vegas. And like, there, there's no, they're not really facing any Great yeah. teams. Dom said he thought it was like at this point, this early in the season, like 14 games. He said it was like maybe a point, maybe two points. Strength of schedule was giving them. Um, I, the, I think the bigger thing, certainly just from like an analysis perspective, if we just think of this in a, is the Leafs have won a whole bunch of one goal games or, or two goal games where they got the empty net goal. And that's generally considered not sustainable. You know, they, they've just every close game or almost every close game they've been in, they've been able to pull out and to win. And you look at some of the underlying numbers and it says that, you know, that there's some obvious, this is, this is almost so stupid they're, they're, to say their record is unsustainable. I mean, like, of course, they're not going to sustain 11, two and one. Um, so, but you know what? Like, honestly, I, I think they've, they've played pretty well. Uh, all you can do is beat the teams that are in front of you. And, mm -hmm. you know, the funny thing is you look at the stand, I was looking at the standings for last year and like Edmonton was one, two, three, four. I mean, they're a top 10 team. Um, Winnipeg was a playoff team. Calgary was a playoff team. Vancouver was a playoff team. It wasn't like the, it wasn't like you looked at the Canadian teams and you're like, oh, they're all terrible. It's not like the Canadian, other than Ottawa, mm -hmm. the Canadian teams weren't. They're not. I mean, like, I can see the standings right in front of me. And, you know, Montreal got better. I think the thing is, is that Vancouver got worse, clearly, in the offseason. And and they're just yes. not playing. Edmonton got yep. worse, too. Yep. But they but they got Tyson Berry, so. Yes. But the point is, I, I guess, it, but hey, let's, let's not turn it around. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. And, like, some of these nights, like the Vancouver game, the Montreal game, they're kind of like, lurking they're not really giving up much they're not generating anything and then it's like bang goal goal game over and and like really like you look at the division and to me that's like what separates them from everybody else is they have this high-end talent that can just win you a game in five minutes one minute like that 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 vancouver game on monday it's over in literally a minute like they score two goals and the game's over I and it's the same thing against montreal is for the, the canucks are off to such a bad start and you, you, you play, you don't play Vancouver or you don't play Toronto for 45 minutes or whatever. And, and it feels close. And at least, you know, you're, we're going to get a point. We're going to have, you know, we're going to feel better about ourselves. And then, yeah, like <laughs> the Leafs kind of just turn it on for 35 seconds and then you lose again. And it's, uh... and you know what, James, like this is why to bring it out to a very big picture thing, why you make sure you hang on to all those guys. Marner, Neilander, obviously Matthews, like they are, they are uh, game breakers and game breakers matter. Break games. Like they, they break games. Exactly. They break games. Like out of nowhere, <laughs> Matthews just like 
just scores like an incredible goal. And obviously he's been scoring a bunch. And so maybe, um, actually we'll get to him in one second. The defensive stuff I think is interesting. Like Sheldon Keefe mentioned after the game against Montreal, that that was the fewest scoring chances they'd given up in a game so far this year. Um, it does feel different. Like it, it doesn't feel like they're giving up as many of those grade A chances. It doesn't feel like they're giving up as many rush chances. Their shots against are, are way down from last year. Um, what do you attribute that to? I think that they've changed the way that they're playing. I think that they've changed the style that Sheldon Keefe has put a different defensive system in here. And whether you want to call it like a a one one three or it, 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 they just they look like a more patient, cautious team that's more difficult to play through the neutral zone, and and that teams. Uh, teams are not getting odd man rushes against the Leafs, which is it feels like they feel like a different team to watch, and and the Leafs are playing well when they have the lead, which also makes them feel like a different. They just they feel like a more patient, confident, cautious team, and it's yep. maybe it's not as exciting. Like they're not on as many highlight reels, and they're needing to generate their their offense in a slightly different way. Like they're not getting. They're not getting Kapanen and someone else and Nylander or whatever breaking down on a two-on-one all the time. I mean, I would love to see the numbers. I don't have these in front of me, and it's something that we need to, to do some research on to, to get them. I would love to see the numbers for uh, number of odd man rushes per game for and against last year compared to this year because I'm sure it's, yeah. complete, I'm sure it's completely different. So I, well, I think it's a stylistic thing. I think that all that, all that stuff that Keith talked about in uh, – in, in, in camp in the off season about what he wanted to change. I think that that's what we're seeing here. I mean, personnel is obviously different too. They've got some different players who can play that style a bit better, but you got to change the style for those players to, to, to integrate and, and to help change the style. Well, so to me, then I would follow up and say, to me, it's, it's that what you're talking about, but it's, I think it's also a mentality change. Like Tavares, I think has, has been pretty um, insightful into that in terms of them, changing the way that they approach a game and that they're trying like it's in their mind to play better defensively to not um give up the kinds of looks that they've been giving up in the past and the consequence sometimes is they're not generating as much and i do think like the personnel is a massive thing james like when you're basically taking um tj brody or you're taking tyson berry and replacing him with tj brody and you're taking cody cc and you're replacing him with zap Bogosian, and Justin Hall is it continues to get better. Like your defense is just better, right? Like that to me that that has to make some sort of difference. Just having better defensemen, and and obviously Austin Matthews like taking another step defensively is something too. I think that if you have better defensemen, you You're play better, be better. You play better defensively. I'd that's take. what I. That's sorry, my phone was ringing here. I gotta, I gotta turn that off. I don't know if you could hear that. We could. It was terrible. But James, <laughs> let me bring up one stat to you, and you can tell me what you think it means. Uh, five on five expected goals per sixty. The Leafs tied for twentieth right now. Yeah. Does that mean um, anything to you? I mean, with how they were counting the stats in that Montreal game, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be looking at that that much because it looked like they were they screwed. They were missing shots on goal, and I don't know if you noticed that watching the game. Like they, they kind of screwed up everything the thing i think that people always and, and even you and i talk about and debate like what, what's the right stat to use and 
mm-hmm. you know, do we use expected goals or scoring chances or whatever? I think that's why it's important to use more than one of these stats because uh, what did you say? They're twentieth in expected goals for versus against. Is that right? Just in expect uh, expected goals against per sixty. Now in scoring chances, they are fifteenth. Oh, I see. So you're saying that their expected goals against is not actually that good. No, correct. It's interesting. I mean, like they've 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 cut back on. Um, they, they, they've cut back on, you look at like shot attempts against and then shots against and, and like a bunch of these other stats and, and they are better. Um, it would be worth diving into why they're still giving up as many expected goals. I, I, I don't, I don't have the answer to that off the top of my head. I mean, I, I don't know how much appetite there is for the fans to hear this right now, but I mean, part of it is that like they're like they're not playing like a juggernaut. Like they're they're better defensively. I think the big thing is is that stylistically their games look a lot different. Like there's just fewer odd man rushes, and like there's yes. just their their games are just less chaotic and more predictable. And they have some better defensive players, and you combine those things, and they're able to hold on to leads. And it does feel though that there are going to be periods where you know there are you know, they're going to be more pucks that are going in their net and they're going to have a harder time generating offense. Like, uh, you know, even strength, their, their shooting percentage is way up there. You know, it's there, there's going to be some adversity that comes. And I think what you got to do is just while you're riding this hot streak, you just keep banking as many points as you can and keep trying to improve on the things you need to improve on. And one of the things I think they need to improve on is 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 things like scoring chance share and expected goals. Expected goals percentage, they're 15th in the league right now. That game against Montreal there uh, on on Wednesday would have dropped them down. So, and if you look at uh, scoring chance share, they jump up to ninth in the league, and they're at they're at fifty three point seven percent, which is pretty good. So, some of these stats they look fine, and some of these stats there's there's room for improvement. Well, and the penalty kill can improve, but we'll get to that stuff in in a little bit. Um, I think it's time, James, for this week's quote of the week. This week's Trying to think of a good quote from back in the day. Usually I use this guy such an idiot, but I need a different one. I'll keep thinking. Uh, I was probably crying a little bit. Uh, 13 years in this city and uh, with the team, it's been it's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, a lot of emotions and a lot of great teammates that's passed by. And uh, I mean, the fans and the organization, it's been a very emotional ride. I don't know how players can walk around. I know I, I have a lot of trouble walking around the city. I'm embarrassed. It's probably the toughest loss I've ever... Uh, had in pro in pro hockey it's been so fun with mitchie and and maddie um we have a lot of fun out there and i love playing with those two kids you think it's my fault is that what you're saying well, yeah he was just screaming in my ear so <laughs> you know, he's a big fan of that song he plays it in the car sometimes so he definitely is a big mon Jovi guy yeah i think austin's been you know he's been on a mission you know for a while here now i think even in the bubble we didn't have success as a team but he elevated his play and He's just playing, you know, two-way hockey. He's, you know, up and down the ice. He controls the play. He's such a big guy. I think uh, the way he protects the puck and and then scoring big goals for us at big time. So he's, you know, he held his composure. He spoke up a little bit in the room. I think he's growing his confidence as a leader. Um, you know, I think he's a special player and you know, he's putting together an MVP type season. All right, James. That was Jason Spezza discussing Austin Matthews um, in our bold predictions. Column before the year, you predicted that Austin Matthews, I think, would get Hart Trophy votes or be in the be a top three, be a, yeah, nominee. be a nominee. Okay, you wrote about um, some of the changes that he made in the off season, losing some weight, getting faster. 
Yeah, I was disappointed in your story. You said he was 220 pounds because you, you know that that's not true. Yeah. You know what's funny is like I paused on that and I was like, wait a second. That's what it. That's what it's on. Like that's what it, it's listed. Yeah, at no, it still says site. it at NHL.com. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I actually had a second. I was like, wait a second. I thought he. I thought it was lower than that. And then well, I they meant didn't change to, it. They yeah, it was something I meant to like uh, check again because usually I go through my story and I make sure everything is right, like triple check. And I actually meant to throw in a link to your story, and I also forgot that it was like twelve thirty at night. Um, so yeah, I and I wrote after the game on Saturday against Vancouver that like. He is now in that conversation and needs to be taken seriously. I actually think this is where I want to start with you, James. I don't know if you get this sense. I kind of feel like, and I don't know how this is possible, that he's a little bit underrated. Like it's almost like taken for granted a little bit some of the stuff that he does. Like the goal scoring to me, I I, I just am not totally sure that it, it registers on a wider level just how unique this is. Do you Do you get that at all or is that just me – picking at something that maybe not isn't there. I think the fans that are watching every game understand what, what they're seeing. I mean, I saw a lot of conversation from, in the fan base of talking about this, you know, he's the best leaf ever, and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think, I think people understand that he's the MVP and he's a very, very special player. And, you know, I, I think league wide, I think what you see is there's a lot of people that don't like Toronto and don't like the Leafs. So there, there's kind of like some anti, Austin, I, I get it in my Twitter feed like every day. There's some anti-Austin Matthews. The other thing too, Jonas, is that, you know, I was looking at some of the, I don't know if you ever look at like IPP and like some of the, the more obscure advanced stats, but, you know, it, Matthews doesn't have a lot of assists right now. And yeah. it's kind of just a statistical anomaly where he's got 11 goals and five assists. Um, you know, his line mates just haven't really been burying any of his his passes. So, that's going to change. Like he's going to, it's not like he's doing anything wrong. It's just, he's been kind of a bit unlucky in terms of, you know, when he shoots the pockets going in and when his linemates shoot the pockets, not. Um, so, you know, and it, I mean, you look like McDavid's got 27 points. I mean, he's, he's got 11 more points than him, but you know, I think to the point you made in your story, if, you know, if Edmonton really struggles and doesn't make the playoffs, there's a lot of voters that, that will not give, heart votes to guys that don't make the playoffs. So all of a sudden people are going to be looking at that next tier and the next highest scoring players, you know, it, it's Marner. It's our old friend, James Van Riemsdyk, uh, Patrick Kane's there. Then it's, you know, Austin Matthews, Brad Marchand, you know, and, and you look at goals and and nobody's on the, the same plane as, as Matthews. So I do think that he's going to get a lot of heart votes this year. And it, it, it'll be fascinating if it comes down to the Oilers guys and, and Matthews because there's not a lot of love there between people in Edmonton and people in Toronto, that's for sure. Well, I was discussing this with our, our buddy Chris Johnson, and um, one of the points that he made, which I think is, is right, is a lot of it is narrative. And so, like, the story has to be right um, for a guy to win MVP. And so I think, like, the way that he wins MVP is he scores – a shit ton of goals, which he's going to do. And the Leafs are really good. And like those two things need to align because you look last year, James, he had 47 goals in 70 games and he finished 10th. Like he had fewer heart trophy votes than Jack Eichel. Like I, and, and that gets back to what you're talking about. Like with the Toronto thing, there's always going to be the sense that Toronto is building a guy up into more than he is. 
in a lot of cases over the years, that's been true. It's not true here. It's not true with Marner. It's, it's, and it's even not true with Neander. It's almost like it, it, it works against them that they play for the Leafs. Yeah. And I hope that what happens, Jonas, is that I hope it's, there's not a close, close heart vote and, and one of the Leafs players or, or whatever, Vesna or whatever it is. And one of the Leafs players loses because there's two voters in Edmonton that leave them off the ballot or, or something like that. You know, yeah. it's the, the, remember that happened with, uh, Jerome Ginla didn't win that one year because there were voters in Montreal that, that didn't put Ginla on their ballots and Jose Theodore won the Hart Trophy. Like that's, that's that's an indictment of of the process if 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 that's what happens but it's very real though you know as someone who's from western canada the kind of anti toronto sentiment is goes a lot deeper than the leafs and the leafs are just kind of emblematic of that and you know i grew up in a in a small city in western canada but you know half my family was from toronto and my mom was from toronto and had grown up there and so i had like a real kind of understanding and connection with um with Ontario and with Toronto and that, that a lot of the people I was around didn't. And I didn't really understand that whole, um, a lot of people that hate Toronto and hate the Leafs have never been east of, of, you know, Calgary or Saskatoon. You know, a lot of them have never, and I always say to people, you know, even now when I, you know, relatives or whatever, it's like, you should come, you know, I remember I had my wedding and we invited everyone to Toronto. It's like, come see Toronto, like come like see, see what it really is and then meet some of the people. And, but there's just, you know, it's, I think it's a natural thing. I mean, it happens, it happens in every country where there's, especially a country like this, where there's that huge separation, but it's a unique thing in Canada where there's a huge percentage of the population that's, you know, I can't believe the number of people I meet here who have never been to Vancouver. And it's like, holy cow, like that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, anyway, so there's, you know what I, there's, well, there's definitely a divide and, and, and a kind of a, a loathing of all things Toronto. And I see it in the media too. You know, I, I see I, there's going to be people that will not vote for a Leafs players if it's close. So it's that'll be that'll be interesting. Well, to to follow up on that one point, I, I think it's like a resentment of the coverage that the Leafs get, and and so it's like, oh, you, you keep talking about so and so, but you're not talking about our guy, and I think that filters in. But like, I'm looking at the the year you're talking about with 2002, uh, Theodore got 26 first place votes, Aginla got 23. Wow, they had the same number of votes, four hundred and thirty-four apiece. I think it came down to the first place votes, and there were yeah, people he that, had three more. There, I think um, there were like three Montreal voters that didn't even have a Ginlaw on there at all, even though he had a monster year. Yeah, he had fifty-two goals and ninety-six points. But so to get back to Matthews, I think what's what's really what needs to be noticed beyond the goals, which are really easy to to see, and like I, I think we should start at some point having the 50 and 50 conversation, because I think it's, I think it could happen too hard to do. Um, no, well, I don't know too hard to do. Well, let's make um, a bet. Okay. Let's, let's, so we'll bet on that. I'm going to say he, he, he makes it really close. I'll say he gets within, if he doesn't get it, he gets within a few goals. But what, what the point I was going to make is like defensively, he's like a monster right now. It's amazing how, how strong he is in some of those puck battles. We knew he had that in him, right? Like we knew that. I mean, he's he. You see him in person, and he's a big guy. Like he's 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 built a lot different than you and I, Jonas. You know, he's got like a he's got a huge head and hands and, and a huge chest and like you know. And the the one thing too is that that his teammates say and other players who play against him say is that he's so good on his skates that that makes him even stronger. Like he, his balance is so good that 
you know, it's uh, you and I have both noticed that noticed noted this in stories that we've written in the last week about how much more in, engaged he is physically. I mean, he's he's hitting guys like four times more frequently this year than he has in the past. Like that's that's a that's not a statistical blip. That's that's a real thing. Well, and that was always like it, not a complaint, but that was always one thing you looked at and you said, man, like if he he evolved a little bit there and put that frame to work it's it's only going to be to his advantage and like his first step he's just gone it's like what you're talking about like he'll win a, a, a puck battle in the defensive zone and then it's boom he's, he's off to the races like that goal uh he scored in one of the vancouver games that started in his own end and he just took off i wonder how much you know th- there was obviously a lot made of him training with Connor mcdavid and there were a lot of stories written about that and um i i wonder uh, you know, he, he's competing against McDavid. He's seeing what he does and how he trains and everything. And, you know, when I was doing that story about Matthews dropping the weight and changing his training, I wonder if he's looking at some of these guys, like even like Nathan McKinnon, I think we think of as like a big guy, but like, he, he you know, a lot of these guys who are really fast and amazing skaters, they, uh, they don't carry a lot of weight around with them. Like what's McKinnon, like 200 pounds? Like, like they're not, yeah, he, you know, he's 200 pounds. There's, these guys at McDavid's not like a really heavy guy. It kind of seems like that, you know, if 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 the more McDavid's listed at 193, I don't know if I'm looking at the right thing or not, but McDavid's almost when you watch him, he's like a greyhound, I think. You know, he's like got he's like kind of lean and just really elegant in the way that he moves. And it feels like Matthews has kind of downloaded a little bit of that into his game this year. Well, and the other thing that I think he has, which is I think you, you unique a little bit among hockey players. Um, Maybe I shouldn't say that. There's a, I don't know if I can say this on the podcast, but I'm going to anyway. There's a fuck you to him that I think is really apparent. Like he wants to, I think he wants to be the best. I think he wants to like that. We can, we make like, it's like a cliche in sports sometimes, but like, I I do think that's in there somewhere. Uh, Do do you know what I mean? Like, do, do you feel that with him? Jonas, we have sworn on this podcast going back. This podcast has been uh-huh. going for almost nine years. So, so you agree? We can we can fuck around all we want. For children, cover your ears. I don't know if we. I don't think we have any children listening to the podcast. Certainly not my children. Um, yeah, and it, that's one of the things that that people have said about Matthews going back to the very beginning is that he has a real competitive. It's almost like uh, this probably isn't the exact right phrase, but it's almost like a chip on his shoulder, except it's not. It's just he's someone that grew up really admiring the very best athletes in the world, not not just uh, hockey players, but basketball players and 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 wanting to aspire to be like that. And that his personality has that that really high. I know he seems kind of low key in interviews and things like that, but like he really thinks a lot about trying to be great and trying to be the best and pushing himself, you know, so, so you score whatever you said, 47 goals in 70 games like that. He, that he's not going to rest on that. You know, it, for him, it's, it's about what's next. And, you know, we're, we're seeing it right now. I mean, he's, he's in his prime and it it's, it's very interesting as someone who gets to cover this team to have an athlete like this, because we've never had this before. Well, it's funny while you're, you're, you're talking about that. I, it made me think about um, an interview I did with him before. I can't remember which season. 2018. 
And this is what he said. The quote was, and the other part for myself individually, I want to be the best player in the world. That's something that drives you every day just because everybody's competitive. Everybody wants to be the best. You get the point. Like he wants to, he wants to be the best. I, I do want to take a second, James, before we move on um, to mention Marner. There was a certain point in the first couple of weeks where the numbers were off the charts and I felt like he had been good, but not great. I think he's been closer to great the last little bit. Like you look at that play, the couple passes he made to set up Matthew's goals against Vancouver. Now there's the really obvious one where he makes the play no look behind the, the net, which is just astounding. But the play he makes on the, the Matthews goal that drew all the attention is just unbelievable. And like I had to watch the replay back like 10 times to catch everything he did. It's the one where Matthews puts it around Chatfield like in a second. Mm. But if you look before that, Marner makes like this unbelievable play to get him the puck. Um, I just think he's been he's been excellent the last little bit. And um I don't think he can win the Art Ross with those guys in Edmonton you're talking about. Um, but my my another bold prediction that it looks like it's going to pay off is like that he might be in the top three. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about that. They're becoming a really special duo, you know. And it, it, that that decision last year for Sheldon Keefe to finally play them together is looking pretty inspired right now because you can talk about how you want to have lineup balance all you want, but you know Sheldon keeps realizing that he's got and 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 Dom. Uh, I'm not, I can't. I can't pronounce his last name, even though I've known him for five years. Lucision. Lucision. Loose chicken. He um, he had a piece there last week that was really interesting, looking at the best duos, and and it was really focused on Drysaddle and McDavid and how special they are, and comparing them to Crosby and Malkin, and it was looking at the best duos since I think it was since 2009. But it was interesting though because like a little bit down the list, ranked t- the tenth best duo. Was was Marner and Matthews last season? So, and I think they do have that potential to be in that conversation. You know, maybe maybe not quite as special, but and the the thing is, is that Keith has just decided to lean in even heavier on them in terms of the minutes they're playing and the situations that they're out there in, and, yeah. and he's dialed back the minutes on on other guys who are supposed to be difference makers on the team, like like Tavares and Nylander, and it's it's very clearly becoming the the Matthews and and Marner show and and less so less the big four and now it's like the big two and then there's the other two you know, that's that's what it, you know the first fourteen games of season that that's it's not really the big four right I mean like Tavares has put up yeah. a, a a bunch of they look good on the power play but like at even strength you know like like I never would have thought coming into this year that Tavares would be playing seventeen minutes and change Neilander would be playing sixteen oh six. And, you know, Hyman's playing two and a half minutes more a game than Tavares and four minutes more a game than Nylander. And and at even strength, you know, Hyman looks like he's making a much bigger impact than, than those guys a lot of nights. I, I get maybe the concern, I don't know how much of a concern this would be for you, Jonas, is you get into the playoffs and someone can find a way to shut down Marner and Matthews. But I don't know. That's a pretty, I don't know if they're even, they're going to be able to do that or not. Well, to your first point, you look at the game against Montreal, Nylander played 15.40. Tavares played 15.28. Matthews played 22.06. Marner played 21.46. So that's what you're talking about. Now, what does would concern me a little bit if I was the least looking ahead to the playoffs is that the Tavares line 
it's not just that they haven't been that productive five on five. It's that they're, they, there have been a lot of nights where they've gotten filled in and like that would kind of make me a little nervous because you look at those third and fourth lines and they don't really, I don't know. They don't really wow me. So I like, don't really understand why that is to you. Like, like they were fine last year. Like they, and, and like the, the Tavares and Nylander chemistry was really evident for long stretches of last year. And it just hasn't really been the same yeah. this season. Well, I don't think they found the right third wheel. I think that's part of it. I wonder if they can get Kerfoot back there again, because I think when he was with those two guys, it looked really interesting last year. Like, I wonder if you go Thornton at that 3C spot. Yeah, I asked Sheldon Keefe that the other day, and he shut it down pretty resoundingly. About putting Thornton at center or about putting Kerfoot? No, about putting Kerfoot. Yeah, putting Kerfoot on the wing. The other thing is, like, I just don't think Neander's been the same. I I, I just don't. Like, the numbers are there. I, I just don't think he's been the same. Um, but yeah, that's that's like a minor minor thing. But like Matthews and Marner, like you said, if if they're gonna be this, I think that's one thing like that wasn't baked into projections maybe about the Leafs, maybe not the numbers, but like the wider consensus is that those guys still had more room to grow. Like they're both twenty three. Like they're not even they're just kind of continuing to grow and develop. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right. I want to get into a little bit about um, a lot of the questions we're going to get to in, in a few minutes are about some of the, the depth personnel and the way that they were used. Um, we'll get to some of the forwards in a second. Let's take a second and talk about the D. Um are you surprised at the way that like they've they've managed this? Um, and you can take it in any direction you want. You can take it in terms of how they're mixing in Miko Lettinen, how they haven't really used Rasmus Sandin, how little they're playing Travis Dermott. Take it anywhere you want, James. The floor is yours. I don't know why, but I didn't really expect that they would lean so heavily on the top two pairs. Although, I mean, that's really become the trend around the league. If you look at the good teams in the NHL and you look in the playoffs, the third pairs don't really play <clears throat> that much. Normally, they've got like some kind of a specialist on there that, that adds a little bit more minutes that, you know, and if, if you're not playing special teams and you're on that third pair, you really are only getting nine or 10 minutes a game. And Especially, I think the salary cap has has created that issue a bit, Jonas, where like teams just can't afford to have six defensemen that they really trust. I, I've been a little bit surprised. Like like Riley and Brody, I think look fine, but you know you look at some of their underlying numbers, and they've been they've been getting filled in more than I expected. Uh, and and the thing that surprised me maybe more than anything is is the Muzzin and Hall pairing. I mean. It's almost like a lot of nights that Hall has been the more dependable defensive player, and I don't think anyone would have predicted that. I think Muzzin's just been really kind of fine. You know, he hasn't really – I don't know. He doesn't look the same as, as he did last year for whatever reason, but maybe that's – maybe my eye test is failing me there. He had a tough night against Montreal. Um, but to your point, like I, I guess if you're 
Keefe and like you've got those two really good pairs, you're just not going to use the other guys as much. And like, in a sense, not in a sense, like it's working. Like the Dermot Bogosian pair has been good. Like they're not being asked to do very much. Their lift is kind of lighter. They're like Dermot's not Dermot's down. Like it's, it's pretty dramatic. Um, how far his, his five on five minutes have come down, um, from last year. And even the year before that, like when he was like strictly third pair, um, but like Dermot's been on the ice for one goal. That pair has been really good. I think at a certain point here, I think what's going to be interesting is like Lettinen's played better, but I think it's pretty clear like your your better third pair is Dermot Bogosian. So then what do you do? That injuries haven't happened, so that might answer it. But I mean, they've got some three Ottawa games coming up, so I think I would throw Lettinen maybe two of those. I mean, I think you. Letton has played six games. German's played 10. I think you just keep, you know, you play your best lineup when you play against Montreal or teams that are going to threaten you potentially for the, for the division or for the playoff spot. And then you keep working Letton in, in some of the quote unquote, less important games. And Letton has looked quite a bit better. I mean, you, you can start to see some of his offensive instincts coming out. Um, but they need to get to the point where they can trust him a little bit more than they do right now. Like it, it's, it's, it, it's hard to just like shelter your third pair entirely. And, 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 you know, they, so they only play fourth lines and they only play in the offensive zone. And like, you want to be able to trust them at least a little bit and they're not really there yet with Lennon. So it'll be, you know, I, it, I, I'll be shocked if they go through the whole year without an injury on defense and, and probably yes. at some point there will be two. So, you know, the, this blue line is going to be stress tested a little bit more. They're not going to make it, you know, right now, Brody, Muzzin, Riley Hall have played every single game. That's not going to continue. And, and you know, you and I have been kicking around the debate over whether, you know, you could move someone like Dermot to bring in a forward. But, you know, my concern would be is if one of the guys on the right side goes down with an injury for 10 games, you're not going to put Lettinen or Sandine there. Do you really want Bogosian in your top four? I mean, I think that's when you really are going to want Dermot to, to step up and and to, to either play with Riley or, or, or play with Muzzin and, and fill the hole from the injury. Cause they don't. I'm not I, sure about that. Well, who would you like? So do you I just move Bogosian up? Yeah. You move Bogosian up. Yeah. But I think if you do that, then I think you need to play your third pair more than you are right now. Like, I don't think that you can play Bogosian 22 minutes a game. Yeah. It would require like a, a reshuffling of how you use the defense in that case. Yeah. But let's, let's talk about that for a second. And then I just want to ask you something about load management. I, I've been racking my brain about this. You and I have been trading messages about it a bunch. I, I don't know that that justification holds if you can get the right player. Like, I, I do think that they need another guy who can either play in the middle on their third line or who can, like, really play with Tavares and Nealander and help those guys. So if, if Dermot helps you get that guy, I think you have to do it. Now, that is a tough ask to find that player, especially in this season. Um, but does does that ring more true to you? Like, do you, do you see my point in that sense? Yeah, I, I just am not ready to make that trade right now. Like, I think that that's more like a mid-season or late-season trade. That's coming up, James. We're almost at the mid-season. Well, there, this is the 25% mark of the year. For, so, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'd like to see like another 15 games before I – you know, I think we need Thornton back. I think we need to see what Robertson can do. 
you know, unfortunately Simmons was was starting to look like potentially a someone who could play higher up the lineup than we thought, and and now he's gone. Um, with how good their record is, I'm not ready to like Burn to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to say that this is what they need, and 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 I'm you know I know Elliot Friedman's reported that there's there's some sort of a trade for a forward. And- I agree with that. I think they need it. I'm you know what I'm really I would be concerned with James is that I don't think Kerfoot can center that third line. I just don't. Well, well, yeah, okay. So and that's a problem. If, if we're talking about a third line center, then then I'm more kind of open to that idea than than. Than, than finding a different winger for for Nylander and, and Tavares. Like I, I think if you could get, it, 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 it was the one thing in in the off season that I think we pointed to that that felt like a hole is that, you know, they were talking about Kerfoot being this this shutdown. They they like they need someone that can play tough minutes in that third center spot, and that yes, if not generate offense, then at least be really good defensively. And right now they don't they don't really have that, and that third line doesn't really have an identity and. It seems like they're struggling to to fill that spot. So I I, I think Kerfoot. Uh, we were saying this last year too. You know, Kerfoot looked better when he was supporting better players than him, as opposed to being like he can't be the best player on his line because then it's yes. just not going to be a very good line. Yes. So obviously, you know, like I'm working on a big story about, about Kerfoot, and one of the things like the conclusions that I've kind of come to. That, this story has been you've been working on it for like nine months. This is going to be like the the best. This is going to be the best Kerfoot story of all time. Don't put that kind of pressure on me. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a book. Yes, the Alexander Kerfoot story. I think you've made kind of the point is he needs to be a complimentary piece. Like I don't think I think the problem is I don't think he can uh, be the backbone of a defensive line. I don't think he's big or strong enough to do that, and I don't think offensively he's good enough to power his own line that way. So I think the right role for him is kind of how they used him last year, and that's. Like they used him at times in Colorado, put him with star players. He's really smart. He's shifty. He's a pretty good passer, and he can help those guys as opposed to putting him in like a starring kind of role on his own line. So that's what I've been thinking. I concur. Let's read that piece. Yes, guy. Chop, chop, chop. Actually, if you know if people were uh, were. 14 games in, if, if people listening have ideas for, for people they want to see profiled or stories that we should do, feel free to drop us ideas on uh, on the comments on, on our app or uh, or on Twitter. Because uh, we're, uh, I don't know about you, Jonas, but I, you know, my idea list is, I've got like two things on it right now on the Leafs. I'm kind of just waiting to repopulate my list here. Me too. Me too, my friend. All right. Do you want to get to listener questions now, or do you want to talk a brief bit about like some points of concern? Mm, let's go questions. Let's go questions. I do not have any queued up, though, so you got to give me a second. Okay. Uh, okay. Ludwig from Stockholm. Thank you for listening, Ludwig. How good would a Robertson, Thornton, Nylander sheltered third line be? It's an interesting thought. I guess the problem is who's playing with Tavares and what are you doing with that line? Yes. That's the issue. That's This is kind of gets at what we, you and I have talked about since the offseason and one like slight critique of some of the players that they brought in. Like they don't have enough like defensive kind of personnel people. They tried and maybe they will again. The McKay of Kerfoot, 
Hyman combination and kind of were thinking that maybe that can be that kind of defensive line. And we didn't see it long enough to really know. It didn't, I don't think it had a ton of success when they used it, but it was so small a sample size. Um, but I, I like the idea of trying Robertson with Thornton and just like protect the shit out of them. The problem is like, again, like you, you can't protect every line. So that's the issue. All right. Marvelous Mark. Good name. Very good name. Uh, good bio too. It says Wendell Mania. It's amazing that Wendell Clark, the enduring legacy of him in this city. Is this he, I think my, he might be the most popular former like old He's guy. a wonderful guy too. I don't know how much time he had. Like I he's such a he's such a good guy, good person. So it's it's nice to see that none of this adulation that he gets in the city has gone to his head. Um, and it's, you know, I named my son Clark and it had nothing to do with Wendell Clark cause I'm, I'm not from here and I don't really understand the Wendell Clark. And I still get that all the time. People are like, Oh, it's Wendell Clark. And I was like, <laughs> no. Um, okay. Marvelous Mark asks, uh, he's got two questions and I think they're both good. So we're going to use both of them. We're going to Mark, we're going to give you two questions. Uh, is the Barabanov experiment mercifully over? They gave it the old college try. What do you think? Do you think they're still going to keep trying Barabanov? Probably a couple more games, at Bera, least. Barabenchdov? He, he he doesn't look like an NHL player. Like, I, no. I don't know what the scouting... The funny thing with him, too, is that you look at his, like... I'm just bringing it up now. You look at his, like, KHL stats, and he doesn't have the profile of an NHL player. Like, he just, you know... I mean, he had the one year where he had a lot of points. They must have... Like, he was playing in St. Petersburg. He must have... Well, maybe he was playing with Datsuk. He must have been. That one year he had a lot of points, but most of the years he, he's just like a checker over there who's got like, you know, last season he had 11 goals and 20 points in the KHL and he was like, and you look at like he doesn't shoot the puck a lot over there. He doesn't, he doesn't really do, he's, he's not a physical player. Like he doesn't get any, any kind of penalty minutes or anything like that. He just, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I wonder if they started recruiting him that one year when he had the 46 points playing with Datsuk or whoever he was playing with. And uh, I don't know. I feel I kind of bad, bad for the guy because, like, he didn't play in the KHL this year. He's not like Lettinen. He didn't, like, he, he committed his entire season this year. He's 26 years old to the Leafs, and he's not good enough. I guess you just don't know how things are going to translate. But to me, like, you can't be small, not that fast, and not that skilled. Like, you, you can't be all three. Like, you can be – you might be able to be not that fast if you're, like, unbelievably skilled. You might be able to be like not that big if like you're you're fast and you're really competitive and you're physical, but like you can't be you can't have nothing like that's you know what I mean like you can't just be okay in in a bunch of stuff and play in the NHL. You can't. What is he supposed to be? He, he, that's the problem. He, he's not good enough at any one thing. He doesn't like you know like someone like Adam Brooks or whatever is better than him. Like I don't I don't know. Like the, it feels like the only reason he's in the lineup is because. He was a guy they spent a lot of time trying to acquire. All right. Yeah. Marvelous Mark has another. He says, uh, do you envision a scenario down the road where to go along with the Austin Matthews contract extension, there's a passing of the torch of the captaincy from Tavares to Matthews. I've actually been thinking about this a little bit lately as, you know, Tavares becomes less of a factor and plays fewer minutes and Matthews ascends to another level. This this could be like, a, as Jonas would call it, a spicy meatball for the organization to, to figure out. One of my favorite words. You know, <laughs> spicy. 
Oh, I man. can't see that. I can't see that, James. And, so and they, honestly, just, they just wait till the Tavares contract like plays itself out. That's I can't see. Yeah, they trade him. He trade the captain. This was always honestly. This was always the mistake that they made at the they time. They should just waited another year and then give it to Matthews, right? Yes, or wait, or just done it, and like that whole storm would have blown over. Like it was a it was a very short sighted move. It was. I felt that at the time. I feel that now. It was. It was in response to what was going on with the off off ice stuff. But you need to really you needed to really think big picture with that kind of thing, and they. They did not. The one thing that I'm reluctant that this will be taken the wrong way, but the one thing I've heard is that like Tavares is a good guy and works really hard and all those things, but he's not really, he's not like the most inspiring guy in the dressing room is, is kind of the, his reputation in the NHL guys that have played with him in the Islanders or like, he's, he's pretty quiet. He's, he's not, he's not like in a, I don't know. It's it, it, Matthews is quiet too, but I think that the personality thing with with Tavares, especially if he's only playing seventeen minutes a game, I don't know. Hopefully, they don't end up in like a Marlowe situation where you got to take the captaincy away. Yes, that wouldn't be great. And honestly, James, like I, the more I've thought about it, the more I I actually don't even understand why if it wasn't going to be Matthews, it wasn't just Riley. Like he had been, he was like kind of the Leafs culture. Like he had been there forever. It it, it anyway. It doesn't matter that much, but John Strong from Lethbridge, good old Lethbridge. I was watching. Uh, do you know Jim Gaffigan, the comedian? Jim Gaffigan has a thing on Amazon right now where he it's a comedy routine and it's all about Canada. And he has a he has a bit in there about Lethbridge, and it was, it's it's pretty funny. He's got like all these Canadian jokes, so I I recommend that. Anyway, John Strong asks, uh, Jonas, are you a Jim Gaffigan fan? I've seen him. I've seen him more like acting, not really. As oh, his stand-up is excellent. I think you'd probably like it. Okay. Uh, John asks, where does Thornton fit into the lineup when he is back from injury? And is there a possibility of the Leafs trading for Sam Bennett? Let's start with the first one because you addressed it in your observations column from earlier this week if people haven't seen that check it out did i address it correctly or incorrectly jonas well let's let's talk about that but don't interrupt this part if you're not a subscriber go to theathletic.com slash leaf report uh and sign up there's a special deal there um so you had it as thornton centering the third line with mikhaev and who's the third robertson i think that's conceivable I'd like to see um, Robertson get a shot to see what he can do. I'd like to. I mean, I know he's going to be coming back from injury, and you know, and he's I, I don't know. I, like, I, there's going to be a time here. Like, I think when the AHL, no, when Junior gets going, when the OHL gets going, which I think is supposed to happen here in the next couple of weeks, he's got to go back. Like, he can't. He, he has to either stay on the NHL roster or he has to go to Junior. Like, he can't go to the AHL. So, I think I want to give Robertson a handful of games to see what he is before that decision has to get made. I agree with that. I agree with that. And especially okay. like they haven't really, End they, of haven't segment. really gotten, they haven't gotten that much out of Jimmy VC. So it's not like, and, and Eli McKay has been off to like a, a so-so kind of start. Jimmy who? Um, yeah. What was the second part of that question? Is there a possibility of the Leafs trading for Sam Bennett of the Calgary Flames? Okay, so I brought that up in my 
Dermot piece. Um, just as like something I was just thinking about, like what kind of trade, like who would say no Dermot for San or Dermot for Bennett. And as you pointed out, like the Leafs would have to figure some things out uh, cap wise. I think he profiles, I think we touched on this before. Like he fits kind of the model of the kind of player Kyle Dubas would want to take a chance on a former top five pick who's had like moments in the NHL, especially in the playoffs. Um, I, I don't mind it. Given the age, he's an RFA after this year. My he might be able to play in, in their top line, like, top nine. Yeah, he's like another VC like guy that you don't notice that much, and he makes two point five million. Like that that doesn't compute. In so I mean, unless the Flames retain half that deal, um, then then Maybe I think he can it's play okay. some center, James. I don't know. Yeah, he can. He can play some. Yeah, and yeah, and the Leafs could use another option that that has like a little bit different style than. You could almost build a checking line. They, they could really use some more options with with some more versatile players. So, you know, if the Flames are willing to retain half, I, do, I wonder what they would want you to give up. Well, in my fake trade that I sent you, would you do it? Uh, what was the fake trade? Did I miss it? I think I said Dermot and Engvall. Oh, uh, I don't think I would do that. No. Okay. I think I would want a better player than Bennett if I'm trading Dermot. Although I realize that you're probably going to lose Dermot in the expansion draft anyway. So well, that's that's another thing that at some point we need to rediscuss because maybe it's not Dermot, and maybe they're going to have to rethink what they do uh, with Justin Hall's. They got to protect Hall right now. Yeah, which means you're exposing somebody else. They're exposing Kerfoot, or as I called him when he scored that goal, Alexander Kerhands. I don't think you've done the numbers right, James. They can't protect everyone. So you put the big four, right? Yeah, but Hyman's not signed. You always do this. Okay. Hyman ah. doesn't have a contract, so I, I think you just have to have a handshake agreement with Hyman that we'll get your extension done after the expansion draft. Or we'll do it on, on whatever July 1st is this year. What is it? It's like July 23rd or something. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. All right. Let me check our leaf report. Twitter I've got account. another one here. Can you I got another one? one? Yeah. yeah. Someone, someone's asking me a specific question here. James, as someone who covers the Leafs but cheered for the Canucks, what are your feelings about seeing them get bounced in three straight? Does being a sports reporter remove you from being a fan? And Jonas, were you a big Leafs fan growing up? Like, was that was that your team? Were you living and dying with their results? No. Sorry. Were you a fan of any NHL team, or you just kind of... No, I... I... I honestly, it was the days of like when I was a kid. It was like Colorado. Like I really like Colorado. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they were stacked. I like Detroit. Is it because the Leafs weren't good at that time, or you just, or was it like that you were just like the the indie kid that didn't want to cheer for the same team everyone else did? Or no, you know what I think it is. I think a lot of, and I think you can speak to this. Like it wasn't a, a thing in my family, so it was more like my own interest. And like, well, it I was can't the speak same. to that because. It was a big yeah, thing but in so, my family. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if it's not a thing, like if your dad, is, let's say, is not like this this huge whatever fan, the chances of you becoming that are less. But I was such a sports fan that, like, I watched hockey. I watched tons of basketball and baseball. And, like, it just became my own thing. But it wasn't like this fandom was passed on to me. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of fans, like, you become a fan of a team because, like, your parents were your friends or whatever and it just wasn't that way for me so the canucks were always kind of like my dad's team and my fandom for them was i i i think that um i 
I don't know. My fandom was never really that. I just, I liked hockey. I just, I liked, I liked the NHL. I liked, you know, when we were playing street hockey, it was, it wasn't like we were just picking Canucks. It wasn't like I was like Russ Courtnall or whatever. I wasn't picking Canucks. Like we would pick everybody. Like I remember being like, I'm the Hartford Whalers this game and I'm going to be like Robert Cron or like, like we were playing games and we were just like being whoever we, me and my friends would watch like the whole league and we were interested in all of these teams. And, you know, I, I remember I had, uh, I had a big, uh, I had a Buffalo Sabres hat that was like so worn out because I had worn it every single day. And I had like a poster of like a bunch of goalies on my walls. And it was like Sean Burke with the Devils and Darren Poopa with the Sabres. Mm. And it's, I, I just, I don't know. Like I, I, I started, I cheered for the Canucks like when they were successful. Like I would kind of get on the bandwagon because it was fun to like be cheering for the same thing everyone else was. But I don't know. I wasn't really so like I don't know. Like they, the Leafs beat them three games. I mean, it, it's not any different for me if the Leafs beat Columbus. The only thing that's kind of fun about it is that I'm like texting with like my cousins and my dad and stuff about the Canucks losing. And mostly, I just said they got to get rid of Jim Benning and and he's terrible and he's made a mess of the team. And but like I don't have any kind of any it, the, the one cool thing in being in this job is that when the Leafs go to Vancouver. Um, I, I go there. I, sometimes I fly to, to Kamloops and I see my parents for a day or two. And then what I've done is that my dad and I drive down to Vancouver, like we used to do when I was a kid and we go to the game. I go to the press box. My dad, I get my, buy my dad a ticket and he sits in the lower bowl and watches the game. And we were there a couple of years ago and we were walking around and we used to go to that arena when I was a kid. We used to go, you know, once a year, we'd probably go to a game and we're walking around there and, and there was some, uh, some fans of the podcast and of the athletic like stopped me on the concourse and like wanted my picture and whatever. And my dad was there and he just thought it was like the most amazing thing. So it's still like a special connection for my family, the Canucks, just because that was something we did when I was young. But you know, the only thing I would is that my dad has cheered for the Canucks for 51 years. I would love to see them win the Stanley cup while, while my dad's still around. So, you know, I hope that they get it together here. That's the only, and it's not like a, a fan thing. It's just more like, They've been part of my life for a very long time. It's not looking very good, James. I know, but everything's cyclical. I mean, it wasn't looking good for the Leafs for a long time. So, you know, they get they get rid of Benning. They get someone smart in there. Maybe they'll get it figured out. Yeah. Uh, do you do you have a question you want to ask? Well, the one thing that keeps coming up is is Jimmy Vc. Um, I I just don't think it's 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 fit for him. He's kind of like the one. I'd put him on the fourth line and give him like eight minutes a game until he wants to show he can do something. Well, one thing I'm really surprised at, and I don't think I totally agree with, is he's gotten zero power play time. Now, when everyone's healthy, I think I understand that. I I don't think he should be ahead of any of those guys. But like even now, like they're playing Ilya Mikheyev around the net on the power play. Now maybe that's because they want to get Mikheyev going a little bit offensively but vcs can score like i i think he's the problem is he's not really that physical kind of element he's not even getting any shots right now jonas like he doesn't even shoot the puck you know like yeah. simmons is playing less than him and, and generating more shots and obviously some of that's going to be power play but like like if kerfoot is shooting the puck more than you then that that's a problem that that you're not you're just you're not doing something right there i mean even like Spezza and VC's just like not making an impact on the game nearly often enough. No. And, and to be fair to the Leafs, like they gave him opportunities. Like he got to play with Matthews. He got to play with Tavares. 
I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Like, and, and there was a moment at practice the other day where him and Keith had a conversation. It, it did not look like, like the most happy conversation. It looked pretty serious. And I mean, it came after they were running power play drills and he was not on the power play. He's killing penalties a bit. He played only 940 against Montreal. I, I do think at a certain point here, James, and this is the, the only thing I wanted to get to, and then we can go to one more question of yours. I do think it's it's they're getting to the point where they need to kind of start settling on some guys at the bottom of their lineup. That doesn't mean it's permanent, but I think like to continue rotating in Barabanov and like I, I think that's it's time to cut it. And Nick Patan, I think, has earned himself a little bit more of a look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Travis Boyd obviously has. Um but I think it's time to kind of fix things there. This fellow is named the Nerd Smasher. <laughs> so he's going to be a big fan of the pod. Well, apparently he is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he likes the candy. Maybe he smashes masters a lot of nerds in his mouth. Uh, with uh, I don't know. I don't know necessarily. Are we nerds? <laughs> no. Or yes. <laughs> with I mean, by hockey standards, I guess we're nerds. With with only the Canadian division on track to finish on schedule with all the all the COVID delays and everything, what happens if the other divisions are weeks behind? Do they do the Leafs just hang out in practice? I, I think what the league is going to do is they're going to like last year they're going to go to points percentage and that's going to just decide the, the the standings. You know, like if if some teams only if the Canadian division gets to fifty six games and the other teams are only play forty, I think that they'll just at some point they're going to have to just say the playoffs start now with with the number of games that you've played. And we just decided like that. I mean, it's not ideal, but there were a lot of things this year, Jonas, that are not ideal. No, this is, it's a cluster. Fuck. A lot of swearing on this podcast. Yeah. You're sweary McSwearster today. Uh, Brian Murphy wants to know the odds that Jimmy VC is not even in the lineup when everyone comes back. I think that the trouble with that is the way the cap situation is. I think they'd have to put him on waivers to take him out of the lineup. I think. Now it's gotten complicated with LTIR and all that stuff, but uh, I mean, maybe you just do put him on waivers. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think he he he's bound for the fourth line at this point. That is where he deserves to play. Uh, is there any update on Jack Campbell's injury? He's not even skating, so not looking good. So Hutch is coming, James. He's going to get a start here soon. I think that back to back with Ottawa hmm. is when we see what. Michael Hutchinson is all about. Hmm. Be interesting. All right, one more question. He loses that game. Uh, everyone is just asking about trade deadline moves, and this person's asking about Justin Hall's hair. Uh, all right. Well, you, while you continue to look, let me remind people that Jason Spezza was on the two man advantage with Pierre LeBron and Scott Burnside, and he's a he's just a seems like a good dude. I think he is. I mean, I didn't know Jason Spezza that well before we started covering him, but I've been, you know, my interactions with him, I've been very, very impressed. And I was so impressed that I started talking to some people in Ottawa and they're like, yeah, like he's the real deal. So, you know, it's been very interesting seeing the fan base kind of embrace Jason Spezza and all the players and everything. And I wonder if if Spezza is going to be a guy that's in this organization for a long time and takes on some kind of, because he's, the thing I didn't know about Spezza that is clearly evident when you're around the team more than we are right now is like he, that guy works his ass off. Like, you know, he's in terms of practice and post-practice and 
Like he, he really, really is a dedicated player. And I don't know if that, that impression of him wasn't really there in Ottawa because there was like the talk of some of the limitations of his defensive game and things like that. But those aren't necessarily the same things, you know, like not being a unbelievable two-way player doesn't necessarily mean you don't work hard. Yep. Yep. He's on the ice every day. The gym, like I, I had games back when we still had access to the dress room where like I needed to talk to him and I had to wait forever for him to come out of the gym after the game. Like he was, and he came out and he looked like he was, he looked like he had been like in a monsoon or something. He was so sweaty and you just talk to the other players and they can't believe how, how dedicated he is making league minimum at 37 years old. Like anyway, there's a reason why that some guys are able to still play. Let's see here. Uh, I like this one. Let's end on this one. Jeremy G asks, how would you characterize the identity of this team? Hmm. It's different than last year. It's different. It's it's quite a bit different. You know, I think that if they continue to play this well, I think that people are going to be talking about the team that, that Kyle Dubas has built a lot, a lot differently than they did last year. I was going back the other day, Jonas, a few days ago, and I was reading some of our stories from last year. Sometimes I do that just to kind of get some inspiration for more things to write about and talk about. And uh, I was reading some of the stories around when Mike Babcock was struggling, when the team was struggling under Mike Babcock, and then when Mike Babcock was let go. And if you read what the fan base was saying at that time in the comments on our site, which are normally pretty rational, people were going after Kyle Dubas and the, the way the team was constructed and tr- the, the cadre trade. And like, there was a lot of anger and there were, there were people that were saying fans that were saying, you know, it, Babcock shouldn't have been the one that was let go that they should have made a change in the management group. But I don't know. I mean, they, they, they changed over six or seven players on this team and, and they just, the identity is they're a better defensive team and they just seem like they, they've kind of grown up a little bit from last year. Yeah, you know what word I'd use to describe it now? And I wouldn't have expected this. They're professional. Like, it's just, it's more of a professional approach. And it's kind of goes back to what they talked about in the offseason, what they talked about before the year. And that's like taking the regular season more seriously, trying to develop habits that will outlast the regular season. Like, they may not be as exciting at times as they were last year, but exciting doesn't really win in the playoffs. Like, you have to be... They, it always seemed like they would try to flip a switch and like you can't flip a switch. And I do think like having Bogosian and Simmons and like some of these like professional veterans around makes a difference. Like you can just feel the the group is different. And Marner and Matthews taking a step obviously matters too. So. Uh, Jonas, there's one more. I can't, I can't end the podcast without us answering this question. So I'm going to throw this to you. Okay. Uh, John Steitzer. Let me see where John is here. Uh, it does not say. John Steitzer asks, if rainbows had a flavor, what would it be? That's a good question. I'm thinking like probably like Skittles, right? That's that's what comes to when they say taste, Skittles, the rain, taste the rainbow. Isn't that the tagline for Skittles? Yeah, but Skittles, like there's lots of different flavors. What's your least favorite Skittle? Or what's yeah, but, your that's, favorite but Skittle? there's lots of different colors in the rainbow. So I'm thinking that it just has like a bunch of different, it tastes like a bunch of different things. Uh, I the Skittles. I I I'm a big fan of the purple. Oh, interesting, interesting. And what's like the one you put back? Yellow. <laughs> I'm probably like green. Yeah. Although I think green is now green apple, not lime. 
No, it's not this. It's not. Maybe well, green apple could be sour too. That's pretty good. All right. I didn't, I didn't realize they changed Skittles. Man, I'm learning so much game. on this podcast. I think, I think they learned that that people hated the green one. Let me see. I, this is like I need to figure this out. Green Skittle. We're gonna figure this out while we're on the show. Our producer's yeah. listening to this and is like, I have things yeah. to do. With, I think to do with my life. Yeah, James, this happened in in 2013. The lime was changed to green apple. I didn't know that. That's all you got. Yeah. All right, James, this has been a lot of fun. Learned a lot. I can't believe it's uh, green we will apple. be back next week. Let's look at let's look quickly at the schedule. The Leafs play Ottawa a bunch. That's going to be riveting. So we will chat then. Any parting thoughts? Green apple. (laughs) James? That was it. I'm ending on green apple. (laughs) I'm done. All right.